God doesn't mind us asking him questions. What God minds is us questioning God. Pastor Mike Boston says, God's providence is the fight worth fighting for. We hear that all the time, don't we? God is good all the time, and then we give that rhetorical answer, if you will. And what I've discovered is a lot of people may believe in that, but they don't believe in God. This is Guarding the Truth with Pastor Mike Boston, author, speaker, and senior pastor of Conqueror's Bible Fellowship Church in Houston, Texas. There is a crucial difference between the providence of God, fortune, fate, and luck. The key difference is found in the personal character of God. And when faced with challenges, we can find peace in the power of God. Let's join Pastor Boston as he begins today's message. God's providence, the invisible hand of God. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that God causes, everybody say all things. Yeah, all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We hear that all the time, don't we? God is good all the time, and then we give that rhetorical answer, if you will. And what I've discovered is a lot of people may believe in that, but they don't believe in God. This verse stands up by itself, and it challenges us. And this day, I, I want to explore it as best I can. My motivation from preaching this text and this truth this morning uh, is because as your pastor, those gathered and those scattered, I bear the burden, ladies and gentlemen, of caring for your souls. And I don't know if you can understand that because you might not care for your own, but I bear the burden of caring for the sheep's souls of which God has given me to shepherd. And because I bear that burden... I want to make certain that, that, that you have clarity and conviction about the things that you should. So with all of the many opinions uh, that are floating around here in regards to our situation we find ourselves globally and with all of the floating opinions that are obviously leading to much confusion, I feel as if those things are not challenged or corrected by the word of God, then I myself am contributing to the confusion and the disobedience as well. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I want to challenge you this morning with this text because if, if you're not challenged and corrected, it can result in people who Believe in God. I'm going to clear that up by the end of this message because there's a difference between believing in God <laughs> and believing God. <laughs> People, if it's not clear, who believe in God, they will find themselves not only socially but physically distanced from God. Did you hear what I said? We are socially distancing ourselves from each other. But, but I believe if this, if clarity is not brought, at least to this text, uh, we can find ourselves with all of the opinions and confusion, uh, finding ourselves being both socially and physically distanced from God. Let me begin by saying this as it relates to me, my children, and my grandchildren to this day. I never mind them asking me 
questions. Truth of the matter is, especially with grandbabies, and I just love it when my grandbabies say, Poppy, Poppy, can I ask you something or can I tell you something? I just love it. My children, they'll tell you, my wife will tell you when they were little, I love sitting around the table and just talking. I love riding in the car out of town and talking to them and letting them ask me questions. I have never, ever had, and to this day, I never have mind my children asking me questions. The problem comes between us when they question my decisions. The problem come between us and my children and grandchildren when they question my directions. Because when you're questioning my directions, my instructions, when you're questioning my decisions, you don't understand those things are driven by my total commitment towards your total existence. So if I say something, it's, it's driven by my total commitment to their total existence. Well, as it relates to God, God doesn't mind us asking him questions. What God minds is us questioning God, which his love and his goodness is always directed toward us both in time and eternity. And it appears as if this pandemic, along with many other things, the economy and everything else that's being affected by, is causing folk who believe in God to question God. So I feel the responsibility today. I'm driven to talk about a subject that needs to be both received and believed, and that subject is the providence of God. In other words, the invisible hand of God. I need to warn you, though, however, today, especially for those of you at home, you might need two cups of coffee. Uh, this message today, I'm creating a term here, if you will, is more of a learn than it is a sermon. Not a lemon. I said a lemon more than a sermon. Somebody ask me why, if you would. Because today, although I may spend more time in my academia explanations, this, today's message may be two parts lecture and one part sermon. Thus, it's a lemon. <laughs> two parts lecture one part sermon. And that's because of the gravity of this verse and its misuse needing to be thoroughly, thoroughly explained. And last week I told you it's okay for a believer to have a fear of God in the sense of respect, in the sense of awe and submission, but it's not okay for believers to have fear while in trouble or being challenged. Why? Because God joins us, what? In our troubles. Well, today I want to extend that explanation by simply saying the answer to not panicking during this pandemic the answer to not panicking or, or, or any other problems is found in the peace that we, that we that's found in Romans 8, 28. The we found in the peace that we have because of the promise of the preservation of the saints and the power of God's providence. God has promised. Y'all, we don't preserve ourselves. I know we do push-ups and we walk and we jog and we use stuff, you know, to make ourselves look younger. But, but y'all, I'm here to tell you, we do not preserve ourselves. The preservation of the saints and, and their uh, a salvation is all in the hands of God. So I want to make certain that we don't get to panicking and thinking that the preservation uh, of us or the people of God is in trouble. See, the, we should have peace in the preservation of God and the power of the providence of God. Uh, we know that the invisible hand of God is, is controlling not just large things, right? The worldwide pandemic, uh, uh, not only small things like maybe a person being, I don't know, anemic, trying to rhyme, <laughs> 
but all things. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, that all things, look at that verse, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes what things? All things. I need you to understand something. All things mean large things, and all things mean small things, because all things mean all things. Somehow, when most people hear this verse, it's unfortunate. They hear big things. And bad things. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. When, when they hear, and we know God causes all things to work together for good, they, they simply hear big things and, and bad things. Y'all not hear me this morning. But this verse says all things. And that's where I'm going to plant my flag this morning, on the, on the all things, if you will. My aim today is to reshape our perspective about that big biblical term called the providence of God. I'm aware in a world of uh, providence as it relates to providence, you know, you know, providence used to be commonplace in the conversation of Christians. But, but, but somehow that word in this generation has, has lost its appeal. People don't, don't like to use terms like providence because for some reason or another, it speaks of too much control. But the word providence, ladies and gentlemen, it's too rich and it's too heavily loaded with crucial theology for, for, for me to let it be lost in a generation without a fight. And that's what I'm doing today. I'm fighting the good fight. I'm fighting to restore our ideology and our theology about the providence of God. Y'all, that's worth fighting for. That's the good fight that Paul talks about. Every believer in every generation needs to be able to link, if you will, the activity of God and the very being of God, both in their understanding and their conversation. You need to be able to explain the being of God and the activity of God if you are a believer. Providence means that the invisible hand of God is in the glove of all of human history. Did you get that? Providence means the invisible hand of God is literally in the glove of all human events. Providence is the means by which God directs not just bad things, not just big things, not just some things, but what? All things. The providence is a way that God controls uh, innate things, uh, innate, in, uh, in, uh, intimate, inanimate things, uh, things seen and unseen, things good and evil, all things toward a worthy purpose, which means that God will what? Finally, finally, he will prevail. Did you get that? God's will will always prevail. Everybody say good, good. Yeah, yeah, good, good, uh, twice, good, good. <laughs> good, good. Because remember this verse says, God causes all things to work together for, for good. Well, today, the term and the point to keep you with me is just simply good, good. <laughs> Here's a little lecture. I'll never forget, it's been many years ago, but in seminary, I was thrown against the wall, literally. I was literally picked up in my spiritual sense and thrown against the wall when the professor told me this. And I believe it kind of helped shape my, my response to living and to thinking. I, I think it's what, I think my biblical grid is made up of this because when you say something to me, I run it through my biblical grid. And, and this is the foundation of my biblical grid, what I'm about to share with you. The question is, can an irresistible force and an immovable object coexist? <laughs> I told you it's part of lecture and sermon. Can an irresistible force and an immovable object coexist at the same time? Do I need to say it one more time so it makes sense? Can a force that's irresistible coexist in the same sphere of an unmovable object? <laughs> uh, 
Well, if an irresistible force meets an immovable object and the object moves, what does that tell you about the force? <laughs> it tells you that the force is truly irresistible, but the object ain't unmovable. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I tell you, it's a little lecture, it's a little lecture, but it's a little sermon here. It's a little lecture, it's a little sermon. Now, on the other hand, if an irresistible force meets an immovable object and the object doesn't move, what does that tell you about the irresistible force? It tells you that the force is not irresistible, teach Holy Spirit, but that the object truly is unmovable. Conquerors, can I tell you something? <laughs> we are the supposedly unmovable object. <laughs> and God is, ladies and gentlemen, most definitely the irresistible force. That ought to help you right there because I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you something because when his irresistible force meets our stubborn, unmovable, sinful, wicked, you understand what I'm saying, spirit or mind or body, guess what happens? Even though we claim to be immovable, we move because the force is irresistible. <laughs> see, see, that's the deep way of saying how can we experience the sovereignty of God and yet a human still have their own free will. <laughs> that was a little lecture, y'all. Now I'll get back to the sermon. <laughs> Did you get that? We, we walk around here acting like we're an unmovable force. And God, I mean object, and God said, no, I'm the irresistible force. And we try and take a stand on something. And God said, I'm going to just let you stand as long as I want you to stand. But when I'm ready for you to move, y'all not hear what I'm saying. You will, because even though you claim to be unmovable, God say, I'm going to show you I'm irresistible. See, see, that's how God can cause... <laughs> good because <laughs> God is good all the time <laughs> all right y'all listen Romans 8 28 although it's one of the most popular New Testament verses it's just as difficult to comprehend as it is popular I hear people quoting it and saying it and, and that's because they believe in it but they don't believe God <laughs> listen this verse says in a sense God is able to make everything that happens to us to work together for our good. Then ultimately, everything that happens to us is good. Y'all didn't hear what I said. <laughs> I'm talking about for us and not them. <laughs> However, we must be careful to stress here the word ultimately because on the earthly plane, things that happen to us may indeed be evil. And we must be careful not to call good evil or evil good. <laughs> I mean, truth be told, we all encounter afflictions, right? We all encounter misery. Uh, we all encounter injustices. Not just black people and not just females. We all encounter injustices. We all encounter a host of many other evils, yet God in his goodness transcends all these things and he causes them to work together for good. Not so much for the unbeliever, but certainly for the believer. Uh, certainly for the true blood-bought believer. Ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, when you think of it, I know it's hard to put your mind around it this early in the sermon, but there really are no tragedies for the believer. <laughs> 
There really are no tragedies because the ultimate, ultimately the providence of God, come on now, works all these proximate evils out, what? For our final benefit, for our ultimate long-term eternal good. Everybody say good, good. A little something else about the word providence. I told you a little lecture, a little sermon. Providence, the root word, the root meaning of the word providence means to, to see in advance or, or it means to see beforehand. It also could mean to provide for. But with just those words, uh, they fail to convey the deep meaning of, of the doctrine of providence. The, the doctrine of providence, ladies and gentlemen, it signifies far more than just that God is a spectator. In human events, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, y'all hear what I said? God ain't with you along for the ride to see what you're going to do. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? God said, I'm not a spectator in your life. I know you don't want to hear it. I'm actually the dictator. <laughs> That's what the providence of God tells us, that, that, that God is he's not just a mere spectator in human events. The word providence, it contains far more than a mere reference of God's knowledge of things beforehand. You know, see, you remember how when you used to tell your children to do something, you know, and, and then they did something different, and then you tell them you knew what they were going to do, you know, before they did it. Y'all, that ain't providence. <laughs> but, but there are many who think that's what providence means for God. Big Mama knew I was going to steal that cookie up there. She can't leave them cookies out there all day. She has 27 cookies up there. Big Mama ain't going to miss one. <laughs> Big Mama knew you was going to steal one or two. And, and see, many folk think that's what the providence of God is, just kind of knowing you're going to steal a cookie. <laughs> so when we take the word providence in its limited English explanation, uh, it gives us a limited view of who God is. And I'm more of the 17th century uh, Westminster type of guy, and so I want to use the 17th century Westminster uh, 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 explanation, a definition of providence. Here's what it says. God, the great creator of all things, doth uphold, direct, depose, and even govern all creatures, actions, and things from the greatest even to the least by his most wise and holy providence according to his infallible knowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his own will to the praise of the glory of his wisdom, his power, his justice, goodness, and his mercy. That's the 17th century definition of the term providence in Westminster. In other words, if I was to bolsterize that, it says this. What God creates, he sustains. Uh, did you get that? <laughs> what God creates, he sustains. The universe, as big as it is, is not only dependent upon God for its origin, uh, it depends on God for its continuity of existence. Y'all didn't hear what I said. Y'all hear what I said. See, everybody think, okay, well, the Big Bang Theory. God said that. Said, well, <laughs> Y'all, listen, the, the universe depends more on God than just for its beginning. The universe depends on God for its total existence. It is the providence of God, it's the invisible hand of God, you've heard me say this many times, that keeps the sun far enough from the earth that we don't burn up. And it's also the providence of God that yet keeps it close enough to the earth, the sun, so we don't freeze up. The sun is fixed. It's a fixed object. It don't float around in space. <laughs> and that's all that God's doing. The universe can neither exist nor operate by its own power. If you take God away from the equation, there's no such thing as atmosphere, stratosphere, gravity. God calls all things to 
to work together. Well, it's good. I told y'all this was a little lecture. Everybody say good, good. See, the people at home, they already, they were moving around. Just, just sit still. I, I just stay with me. Just stay with me. So the central point of the doctrine of providence is, is the stress on God's government. Or to use another word, it stresses the control of God, the entire universe, all things in it, on it, within it, and below it. In other words, all things. God rules his creation, all of it, every bit of it, uh, uh, every minuscule part of it. He rules all of it with absolute sovereignty and authority. He governs everything that comes to pass from the greatest of things to the least of things. And we know that God calls all things to work together for good to those who love him uh, and are called according to his purpose. In other words, nothing ever happens beyond the scope of God's sovereign providential government control. God makes the rain to fall and it's likewise he makes the sun to shine. God raises up kingdoms and God what? Brings kingdoms down. We've been talking about America and how great it is and how powerful it is. See, we got it twisted. Because we got to think in that academia. We got to think in smart men. We got to think of people like George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Ronald Reagan, you know, and other good people uh, are the reasons that this nation is so great. Y'all better get it right. The providential hand, the invisible hand of God is the reason why America had rise. And you better hear me right now. It's the providential hand of God if America decides or is fall. Wasn't Wall Street, wasn't Dow Jones. None of those things are responsible for the success of America. The existence of America has all been God. Listen, to show you just how intricate God is in his providential can concern. Not only does God know the days of your life, if you ever get a chance, you can write this down, Matthew 10 and 30. Not only does God know the very days of your life, Matthew 10 and 30. Please catch this. Please catch this. God knows the number of halves on your head. Y'all ain't no concern better than that. Okay, y'all missing what I'm saying. Y'all missing what I'm saying. Uh, the most loving mother. The most, you know, the mother would come. You already see where I'm going, don't you see? I, the most loving mother. I, I don't care. She ain't going to say, she might say my baby's hair beautiful. She might comb her baby hair. You know what I'm saying? Plant his braid. She, you understand? Know Y'all not hear what I'm saying. But I bet you this, she would never count the hairs on his head. That shows us the integral, deep, care and concern, y'all not hear what I'm saying, that God has for us. That he knows the numbers of hairs on our head. For you bald-headed people, he knows your potential. <laughs> he knows your potential. He also knows when you mix some other hair up with his hair. Well, let me leave that alone. He knows the hairs on our head. That's Matthew 10 and 30. Y'all, when I read that verse, one of these days I'll preach from it. But y'all, I don't see no greater effort of concern than for a maker to count the hairs on every one of his creation's head. Everybody say good, good. But see, the simple truth is Romans 8, 28. <laughs> and we know that God calls all things to work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Listen, I want to help you now. I want to help you. Don't buy into stuff like luck, chance, or fate. There's a huge difference between the providence of God, fortune, fate, luck, and chance. And the key difference is the personal character of God. Can I help you? <laughs> Y'all, fortune 
is blind while God is all-seeing. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Let me tell you how I know fortune is blind. I don't gamble. <laughs> I don't gamble. I don't gamble. I don't get in the car and drive across. I don't do scratch-offs. I don't do none of that stuff. Somebody go get it in a minute. You know how you were sitting at that, that, that uh, uh, one-armed bed, what do you call them, that side machine? You know how you were sitting at that side? You were putting all your money in. You remember that? You remember that? As soon as you got up and walked away from it, somebody sit down and click, 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 click. Fortune is blind. <laughs> Fortune don't see you. <laughs> but God is all-seeing. <sighs> Fate is impersonal. But God is our personal father. Luck is dumb. But God can speak. Regardless of what gamblers and non-believers believe, there are no blind or impersonal forces at work in human history. All things, everything, regardless of the size of the thing, the impact of the thing, the influence of the thing, is brought to pass by the invisible, providential hand of God. God won't let you hit big because he know if you hit big, y'all going to have more social distancing. <laughs> and, and so that's why the next person hit and you don't hit <laughs> the providential hand of God. <laughs> With regards to that all things, let me do a little moment of lecture and back to sermon. There is a mammal. It is the smallest mammal in the world. Gives birth. It's called an Etruscan pygmy shrew. Etruscan pygmy shrew. It's the smallest mammal in the world. The largest mammal in the world is the blue whale. From the largest mammal in the world to the smallest mammal in the world, the invisible hand of God governs it. From the glow bug that glows at night in the country to the rocket ship that glows and takes off from the earth and heads to the moon, it's all driven by the providential, invisible hand of God. Y'all, if you don't believe that, then that means you don't believe God. You just believe in the verse. <laughs> and I want us to move from believing in this verse that God causes all things to work together for good to believing in God that God causes all things to work together for the good. As it relates to chance, I told you about fortune, faith, and luck. In a universe governed by God, there are no chance events. Indeed, there is no such thing as chance. Chance does not exist. To say that chances exist is to insult the providential hand of God. Y all, y all, y all, y all, you, come on now. A little lecture, a little sermon. To, to say that chance exists insults the providential hand of God. Because you're literally saying something happened, come on now, outside of the providence of God that, that just kind of happened and God didn't know it was going to happen. Come on now. <laughs> come on now. Come on. Can I get, a, can I get an amen, a Baptist one right there or something? <laughs> See, chance insults the providence of God because, because chance, watch this now, has no power by itself. <laughs> because it has no being. 
<laughs> See, a being has to have a power inside of one of these days I'll explain. That's where you get the term automobile. Uh, you can see because, oh, yeah, that's a whole nother word. Autonomous, meaning we govern ourselves by our own law. That's what we try autonomy. We govern ourselves by our own law, a self-motivated self-law. That word automobile means, uh, 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 it means automatic move. In other words, self-moving. You understand what I'm saying? And so many of us are automobiles. We want to be self-moving. But even an automobile has to have power. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Chance ain't got no power. So chance cannot exist. Chance is not an entity that can influence reality. Chance is not a thing. It's nothing. So since chance is nothing, it's not a thing that God uses to work all things together for good. Y'all ain't hear what I said. It's not, see, 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 you think, uh, son, when you went to that party in Huntsville and met that sister, and you know, and you think by chance, that's why you married to that lawyer right now. Not so. Wasn't no chance that you were at a party. Wasn't no chance that she kind of liked you back. Wasn't no chance in that. Chance cannot exist outside of God. It has no power. So every night before you go to bed, son, you better say, and God causes all things to work together for the good because you married to us now, right? And now let me get back to my message. <laughs> and so all I'm trying to say to us, ladies and gentlemen, is, is, is chance is not a thing. It's not something that God uses to work all things together for good. Wife, the reason why you married to me ain't by chance. God caused always all things to work together for the good. And it's been good for 34 years and it's still good, good. <laughs> Allow me to try to drive this point just a little bit deeper. In nothing is there chance. But in all things there is God. God's providence upholds all things by his Power. It is in him, come on now, y'all know that scripture, that we live and move and have our what? Being. Apart from him, you cannot say this, y'all, there's no chance in hell that anything moves, lives, or has its own being. <laughs> y'all not hear what I'm saying. So, 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 oh, y'all hear That's why chance does not exist because it cannot exist apart from God. Chance has to have its being is moving in God for it to move, for it to happen, for it to exist. Everybody say good, good. Okay, that was my introduction. <laughs> Look at the verse, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. The we in this verse is not an all-inclusive we. It's actually an exclusive we. You know what I'm saying? This we is just us, not us and them, just us. <laughs> who what? Believe, who've been called, who accept the call, who are blood-bought, uh, Bible-taught. Uh, and this we is, is exclusive. It's not all-inclusive. Everyone doesn't know. Please hear me what I'm saying. What we know. That is probably why this is one of the New Testament's most popular verses, but also one of the most misunderstood verses in the New Testament because us and them, although we believe in the verse, us and them know two different things. Listen, this is not mystical. This is biblical. All things, no things, nothing is done just to be done. Did you hear what I say? All things are done because there is some God-intended reason for it. <laughs> and see, when people want me to try to answer stuff that don't make sense, you know what my answer to those things is? There's got to be some God-intended reason for it. 
I don't know it, you don't know it, but time will show it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so don't argue with me whether or not the world is flat or the world around. That don't really matter to me. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know it, I don't know it, but guess what? Time will show it. Don't argue with me about, you know, ancillary things. Uh, uh, let's talk about the primary thing. And gentlemen, all things are done because there's some God-intended reason for it. It's not that the thing, the situation, anything, all things but chance is just is. It's not that those things are just is. You know what I'm saying? Now, all things. I don't care what it is. Y'all, hate exists for a reason. That works together for God good. I'm going to prove that at the end. Somebody say, prove it, Pastor. See, see y'all, see, y'all want to dismiss hate, but hate works together for good. I'll show it to you in the end when I get to this thing. It's going to get gooder and gooder and gooder. Just hold on a second. And, and, so, and so it's not that things are done just to be done. All things have a God-intended reason for it. It's not that a thing or situation is it, it, because whatever it is with the exception of chance, it must be. So whatever it is, since God caused all things to work together for good, it must be. Y'all know what I'm saying. You, you work where you work and you're in the situation you're in. It must be for a God-intended reason. But the thing of the situation, whatever it is, is because it is right that it should be. Watch this now. Even if at the time it seems wrong. Y'all, that's hard, but you got to I know it's wrong uh, at the time that it's happening to us, with us, and through us. But you got to understand something. If we believe God, then we believe that all things, y'all not hear what I'm saying, work together for what? The good. Even if it seems wrong at the time. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. Y'all, that covers religion and race. Even if it seems wrong at the time. Since God controls all things. Oh, I, I, some, some, some people getting still now. Y'all still with me? Y'all still with me? Okay, let me get to the preaching. Y'all don't like this lecturing, I see. Y'all. I'm going to go deep today with this because the providence of God cannot be fully explained without depth. Let me try and make it uh, a little plainer with this. Because if you can get this, you'll get it. And when you get it, nothing that is something will mean anything. Because you'll understand that God controls everything. And that means all things. Do I need to repeat that for you again? Uh, listen to what I said. When you get what I'm about to tell you, then, then, then nothing that may appear to be something won't mean anything because you understand that God controls what? Everything, meaning all things. That's why things can roll off of me because I understand God controls all things. Uh, Although I'm about to sound scientific, I'm really being scriptural and biblical. Uh, uh, atoms. I ain't talking about Adam in the garden. Atoms. A-T-O-M-S. There you go, right. That's right, dog. Atoms are made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. And protons, neutrons, and electrons, they are the building block for matter. Somebody going to get this in a minute. See, matter is all things, and all things... It's matter. You don't have a thing without matter. God have mercy. I wish I'd have caught that when I said it. <laughs> All things matter. So God can. Oh, let me just move on. Y'all, 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 y'all should. If you'd have caught it, you'd have got it. Okay. So atoms, which made a proton, neutron, electrons, which are the building blocks for matter, they join together with something called molecules, which form most every object around you. If you look around, almost every object around you is formed from molecules and atoms. Everything not only around you and everything that concerns you <laughs> have to do with these things. And whether you know it or not, the atoms, the neutrons, the protons, 
the, the electrons, the molecules. Y'all do know what I'm about to say, right? They're all under the providential control of God. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. See, those things are small and almost invisible to the eye, but those things are a part of things. So God uses all those things to work together, teach Holy Spirit for good. See, we've just been playing with this verse. We've just been scratching the surface on this verse. I want us to go deep so when that thing happens to us, we still believe God. Better still, even the minuteness thing, like our watching now, and this is probably going to scare some of y'all, our private thoughts are under the invisible governing hand of God. Oh, there we go right now. Here come all my deep biblical things. I know what you're thinking right now. Here you go right now. If God, Reverend, is in the involved in governing my thinking, then, then that means I'm a robot, right? Uh, if God is in governing my thinking, then how am I responsible for what I'm thinking since God controls my thinking? Ain't that what you're thinking? <laughs> you're wondering if, like many, if God is sovereign, if God is in absolute control of everything, what role then, pastor, does human responsibility play? Uh, I know you're thinking that. You're also thinking right now, how does then, there, good reverend, does the divine sovereignty and human responsibility, watch this, y'all, catch it the first time, work together? Work together? Y'all see that's in the verse, right? <laughs> How does divine sovereignty and human responsibility work together? Uh, I know, I know you're thinking that right now, because to you that's an oxymoron. To you, that's an incongruity. To you, that's a contradiction. Again, that's to you. <laughs> well, here's the best answer that you'll get from me when you ask me about those things. <laughs> I know that God causes. All things that work together for good, for those who love him, to those who've been called by his name, to fulfill his purpose in them, and for those who are not, their bad still works out for God's glory. <laughs> I'm going to come back in a few minutes and close with that. But note one other thing here that Paul says in Romans verse 8.28. Y'all, come on. Give me, give me 10 more minutes. I know I'm over time, but I'll be through 11. Watch this. Paul does not say here that all things that happen to us are good things. That's not what Paul says here. And this is why I want to stress the importance of not confusing good and evil. It's evil to call good evil or evil good because that's moral dishonesty. But allow me to share just four categories that will give you a better perspective of good and evil. <clears throat> Somebody said, make it plain, Pastor. Here are the four categories that you need to know about good <clears throat> and God. Category one, there's good good. Category two, there's bad good. Category three, there's bad bad. And then category four, there's good bad. <laughs> Good, good is good in the ultimate sense. Good, good perfectly fits or fulfills the outward law of God, but proceeds from a perfect uh, internal love for God. Bad, good is the good that outwardly conforms to the law of God, but is motivated by impure motives. Bad, good is, in other words, if self-centered rather than God-centered. You know, you do something good, but you do it for yourself. <laughs> Y'all not hear what I'm saying. That's bad good. Now, don't get me wrong. God can call that good to work together for good, but it's bad good because it's self-centered good. <clears throat> not only is there good good, bad good, but there's uh, 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 bad bad or evil evil. <clears throat> 
Bad, bad, or evil, evil may be defined as evil or badness that has no salutary aspect to it at all. In other words, bad, bad has no redeeming benefits for the person who commits it. When you do bad, bad, ain't nothing redeeming, redeemable about bad, bad. Evil, evil. Remember that, y'all. And lastly, good, bad. This is the category with which we are most concerned when we seek to understand Romans 8.28, that all things work together for good. It's the good-bad category. Teach, Holy Spirit. The bad that we experience is redeemed, Lord have mercy, in the providence, in the invisible hand of God. This means that God's bring out of the evil we experience good things. This means that bad things that truly are bad, but they are only proximately bad things. They are not ultimately bad things. Y'all understand what I'm saying? In other words, they are blessings in disguise. Boy, see, if you could understand that that bad thing, help me, Holy Spirit, can actually be a good thing, it could be a blessing. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It could be a blessing in disguise for the believer. I'll close with this point, but I'll give you a little sneak peek of it. And it's the reverse for the non-believer. See, the non-believer, blessings are tragedies in disguise. Lord, let me, let me go ahead. Let me go ahead. Let me go ahead. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Oh, Lord, have mercy. With all that information, let me bring this to an application into form so that you can see, as I stated earlier, Remember when I said even the minuteness thing, like our thoughts are under providential, invisible hand of God. I know y'all thought I was going to leave that and, and just throw that out and not explain it. <clears throat> See, for many, their private thoughts generally aren't thought of as things that God causes to work together for good, especially not our bad or evil thoughts. You know, some of y'all might be thinking bad of me right now. <laughs> Pastor, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> but I need you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. Private thoughts, when people read Romans 8, 28, they generally don't think that private thoughts are included in the all things. Mm, but I'm going to show you <laughs> that they are. <laughs> First thing you need to know is God cannot lie. So when he says all things, guess what he means? All things. All things mean that the will of man the thought of man, the desire of man, every purpose of man or humans are in submission. They are under the governing power of the invisible hand of the providence of God. Let me prove my point. It was Old Testament prophecy that said that a Messiah, uh, give me that scripture, Luke 2, and 2, 1 through 7. It was an Old Testament prophecy said that a Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But see, it's some stuff you didn't know. Mary lived in Nazareth. <laughs> but because of the wicked private thoughts of Caesar, it just so happened that while Mary was pregnant with Jesus, teach Holy Spirit, Caesar came up with a thought, which is a thing, that God calls to work together for the good. Look at what Luke 2, 7 said, 1 through 7 said. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augusta that a census, you know, like 2020, we count people right now, that a census would be taken out of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now what they normally could do is go to the local uh, 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 local county office and say, look, I live in such and such, a, I'm from such and such, a, I got seven people in my family. But Caesar, being evil, said, you know what? I'm going to make people travel all the way back to their home district because it had never been done before to register. Because they used to go up the street. But on this occasion, because of Caesar's evil thought, they had to go back to their place of birth. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. <laughs> Joseph went up from Galilee to the city of Nazareth, Judah, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the family of David. 
So in order to register along with his family now, Mary, and who was with child, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no room for them in the end. I don't know if y'all got what I just said, ladies and gentlemen. See, <laughs> Caesar's thoughts, even though he meant it for bad. <laughs> y'all not hear what I'm saying? Because his thoughts is a thing. God controls all things. Uh, I don't believe y'all got it. If the invisible providential hand of God doesn't, doesn't govern the wicked thoughts of Caesar, Jesus ain't going to be born in Bethlehem. Jesus is born in Bethlehem because of Caesar's evil thoughts. Okay, okay, okay. That, that one didn't get y'all. I see it. If that doesn't get you, let's go back many years and look at how evil thoughts in the minds of Joseph's brothers worked out for good, good. <laughs> Genesis 50 and 20 says what? <clears throat> As for you, talking to his brothers, you meant it for evil against me. Lord have mercy. That them two words that changed the whole scenario. But God... <laughs> Even though you meant what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. Teach now in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Y'all know the story. Jacob has 12 sons, but he favors one. Y'all know that, right? He favors one. The one he favors is the youngest one he had in his oldest age. His name is Joseph. He gives him a coat of many colors. Everybody say coat. He gives him a coat of many colors, and, and that coat of many colors, it signifies, I think that's Genesis 37, that out of all his sons, in Joseph's mind, he loved, in Jacob's mind, he loved Joseph more than all the rest. And, and he didn't have a problem with showing it, because he gave him a tunic, a coat of many colors. Y'all, this was a bad good. <laughs> it was a bad good that God caused to work together for good good. <laughs> good God of mine, y'all hear what I say. This was a, a bad good that God caused to be a good good. <laughs> See, it's clear that Joseph is saying here, that what you did, look what it said. It was real evil. Y'all, they wasn't playing. <laughs> this wasn't hide and go seek. You understand what I'm saying? They were all oh, y'all not hear what I'm saying. Oh, he, that evil was real evil. His brothers, first they tried to kill him. Then they sold him as a slave so that he would never experience the special love of his father again. And they meant it for bad, bad. For evil, evil. Think about it as it relates to providence. Because you got to remember, they didn't broadcast to anybody other than themselves what they were going to do for Joseph. They didn't go back and tell Jacob, when we take Joseph out here, we're going to try and kill him. And it just so happens that when they were trying to kill him, uh, some slave, some people came by here to the slave market and said, uh, oh, I can buy this one outside of the market, I'll take him. See, see, that's God causing all things to work together for the good. Y'all not hearing me. Let me, let me back up one more minute because y'all still haven't got this. Y'all, I'm trying to tell you all things. And that's why we shouldn't worry about a thing because God causes all things. <clears throat> Think about this as it relates to providence. No Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No 12 sons. No 12 sons, no famine. No famine, no exodus. No exodus, no, pro no covenant. No covenant, no nation. No nation, no law. No promise, uh, no law, no promised land. No promised land, no judges. No judges, no kings, no prophets. No kings, no prophets. No divided nation. No 430 years of silence because of divided nation. And no thousands of years later, a baby is born in Bethlehem. Y'all think that ain't God causing all things to work together? for the good, y'all, y'all not here, I could go on and on, but all this happens, please guess this, because of Joseph's coat and his dream 
in his nighttime thoughts, y'all not praying me, which he had while he was asleep. You ever get a chance to read Genesis 37? Uh, what really got him in trouble was outside the coat. They had put up with the coat. But then Joseph went around all the big brothers and said, look here, y'all, I had a dream. And here's the dream. All you old people going to be bond out of me one day. And they said, that's it. We got to kill him. That's it. We got to kill him. Y'all hear what I said? You, you little scrawny person, you think you, we going to bow down to you? We got to kill him. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. Joseph gets this thought in a nighttime dream. You ain't hear what I'm saying. So even while Joseph is dreaming, Lord have mercy, God is controlling his thoughts, his nighttime thoughts. <laughs> I told you, God causes all things to work together. Y'all thinking he just called bad things and big things. He causes what? All things, even our thoughts. I don't know about you, but if God can control dreams and evil and make them work together for good, good, why would you ever question God's goodness? Amen. I'm going to close with this. I know I went long, but I told you it was lecture sermon. It was a learn. Think about all the thoughts of the individuals that God had to govern to give us Jesus. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Baptist preacher would say, he came down through 42 generations. But just think about all of the thoughts and the folk thoughts that God had to control. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? To just give us Jesus. Y'all not hear what I'm saying? Y'all, when I was in my study by myself, and I came out, I shouted with that. All of the minds and the thoughts and the bad bads and the good bads and the good bad, good good, all of the things God had to control just to give us Jesus. It didn't start with Caesar. It started with Adam. <laughs> I'm going to close with this. But I just want to review Joseph and his coat. And Genesis 15 and 20 where it says, y'all meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. Beginning with Jacob. Remember this. No coat, no jealousy. No jealousy, no betrayal. No betrayal, no sale into slavery. No sale into slavery, no trip to Egypt. No Potiphar, no Potiphar's wife who seduced uh, Joseph and gave him false, trumped up false rape charges on him. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying. Y'all not hear what I'm saying. God's controlling the thoughts of our, God controlled the thoughts of Potiphar's wife to falsely accuse Joseph of rape. No Potiphar's uh, wife false accuser, no imprisonment. No imprisonment. Y'all do realize everything I just got through saying from the coat is, is something bad. <laughs> Y'all missing what I said. And God causes all things, big things, bad things to work together for good. Let me carry on. Y'all hear what I said. So, so, so no prison sentence, no meeting, no meeting the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Uh, no, 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 no butcher, baker, candlestick maker, no bad dreams that Pharaoh can't understand. No bad dreams, no meeting Pharaoh. No meeting Pharaoh, no being elevated to the role of prime minister in Egypt. No elevation, no children of Israel. No children of Israel, no slavery. No slavery. No slavery. No slavery. Somebody go get that in a minute. No deliverance after 400 years. No deliverance after 400 years. No Ten Commandments. No Ten Commandments and never is there a kingdom of God on earth. This is what Joseph means when he says, as for your evil thoughts toward me, you meant evil against me, but the invisible providential hand of God meant it and used it for good. I got to stop right here, but this ought to be enough proof for those of you who believe to know that whatever thing, all things you're going through, 
the invisible providential hand of God can cause those things, those things, no matter what those things are. No matter what those things are. For those of us who believe God to work together for our ultimate good good. <laughs> you might be going through hell on earth, but if you are, if you believe God and you are a believer, it's going to work out for your ultimate good good. In other words, when you believe God, when he turns up the heat on you, you still believe God is up to something good. <laughs> when you believe God, when he allows you to be broken, you still believe that God is up to something good. <laughs> when you believe God, not in God, when you believe God, you believe that your disappointments, your personal problems, your singleness, and even bad doctor reports are going to work out for your good. We know these things. Watch this now. Not because we can prove these things, but because we know him who's in control of all things. We will always believe that God is always working both our good and bad for our ultimate good good. Listen to this last word. As believers, our tragedies are blessings in disguise. But for the unbeliever, their blessings are tragedies in disguise. You've been listening to Mike Boston with Guarding the Truth. For free access to all of Mike's messages, and a list of training resources. Visit MikeBoston.org. Mike is committed to fighting the good fight and guarding biblical truths. To show your support, visit MikeBoston.org and follow the donate link. With your donation, you will receive Mike's latest ebook as a gift for your support.